Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by Grant Kessler. Grant is a Chicago Market owner and sits on the board of directors. Established in 2013, Chicago Market will be a big, bright, beautiful community-owned grocery store, which exists to rebuild the connection between food producers and consumers. While Chicago Market is not open yet, it will be coming to the Wilson CTA station in Uptown in the 13,000 square foot restored historic Gerber building. Welcome, Grant. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So um, I have a strong uh, home hobby cooking interest and uh, connecting with local sustainable foods and farmed goods was a way that um, my home cooking got better and uh, healthier and, and tastier. And so as I was doing that over the years and connecting with farmers and getting to know them, that turned me into kind of a little bit of a local food advocate and uh, definitely was um, looking for ways to connect that uh, interest into something like Chicago Market. I'm also a food photographer, so my this food intersection and interest thing um, happens. And when I saw Chicago Market on my radar on social media in 2013, um, I jumped all over it because of those interests. And what is a co-op grocery store? How is it different from, say, a traditional larger chain grocery store like Jewel or Mariano's? Right, so one of the big differences is a co-op grocery store is a store that is driven by a mission and vision, right? So it's not um, beholden as much to the profit margin, although we would need to make enough money to stay in business. But the thing that drives us and the decisions that drive us are not always pure profit. So uh, a co-op grocery store is uh, sensitive to its community, wants to uh, meet the needs of its community. It's literally formed by the owners in the community who own it. You own a share in the business. Um, and start it. And so because of that sort of grassroots ownership, the co-op is meeting the needs of, it's designed to meet the needs of the owners first and foremost. Um, other differences are that uh, the other grocery stores you mentioned are large scale, right? They're just huge physically. Um, and so most co-ops in ours will be no different, definitely carry a smaller footprint. Um, we are a pretty big co-op starting in the city. Um, our footprint is over 30, 13,000 square feet, and that's large for a co-op organizing in the country right now. Um, so we want to be big and impactful, but we're going to do it with a smaller footprint than those kind of grocery stores do. Um, we want to have a strong uh, impact on the local farm community and food community and bring healthier local foods into the city, kind of solve the distribution problem. Chicago doesn't have um, a, a super strong local food distribution system, so we'd like to be big enough that we can impact that and have be drawing enough produce and goods into the city to improve that system. How does ownership work and why should someone become an owner? Can businesses also become owners? So as I mentioned, uh, co-ops are owned literally by the folks in the community. Um, we sell shares for, of the business so you can buy in and become an owner. We have two levels, cultivating and founding ownership. Um, and people can purchase those shares online or in person at our events. And those that gives you a uh, voting right in the business. You become an owner, you have a share purchase. So let me clarify too that um, ownership is a benefit to starting the co-op and there are benefits when the store is open to being an owner, but we also want people to know that this is an open grocery store and welcomes everyone in the community. We want all people shopping in there. But the benefits of being an owner, we like to think of in kind of two categories. 
The direct benefits are things like a patronage refund. So um, the way co-ops keep economic power in their community is when they do have, in years when they do have a profit and they don't have a big refrigerator repair or something like that, some um, capital improvement that's necessary, the board and the general manager make the determination to refund that profit at the end of the year back to owners. So if you own a share in that business, you can expect some amount back in years that were profitable. So those patronage refunds are one sort of hard direct benefit. Um, there will be benefits like discounts in the store. We'll leave the determination of exactly what up to our general manager when we hire that person. But you know, if you're an owner, there'll be times when things are discounted, workshops and classes and, and that sort of educational stuff, which we want to be doing might have, you know, they might be $15 for owners and $20 for non-owners, that kind of thing. So there would be breaks like that for owners. Um, owners also have a, as I mentioned before, they have a voting right in the business, right? So the, the you have a share, that means when um, the board puts matters up for a vote, you as an owner get to vote in that. You as an owner get can raise your hand and become a, um, a candidate to be a board member. You have to be a board member to, or an owner to be a board member. So those are the kind of rights that you have as an owner. Um, we also uh, love our owner tote bag. We have a beautiful canvas bag that we hand out to all folks who become owners and get them walking around the neighborhood and, and uh, advertising for us. So. But the indirect benefits are super important to us too. Um, when you start a co-op like this, if you're the sort of visionary person on the early side before the store is open, which is our case right now, um, and you purchase a share in a store like ours, what you're doing is saying, this kind of store needs to be in the community. I wanna support this financially. I wanna buy a share to literally make it happen. Um, so your, your indirect benefit that you're bringing to the community is you're opening this store. You're opening a store that's going to hire locally, gonna bring a lot of local um, good local jobs into the community. We have a commitment to hire as many people as we can from the neighborhood. Um, and you're, you're supporting farmers who really do want to, we talk to them, we have great conversations and relationships with them. They would love, they like selling at the farmer's markets, but they could sell more, they could grow more if they had a, a, a resource, you know, an outlet that was moving more product and we want to be that. Um, so those are some of the, and along with, I would say too, um, and this has a fun tie into Andersonville for us. Um, Chicago market is also super sustainably oriented. Um, we participated sometime back in Andersonville's um, event where the shed aquarium came up and was partnering with the restaurants on the uh, shed, the straw initiative. And we spoke that night and we saw that and said, Hey, how can we get involved in that? And we've since signed on to the shed, the straw initiative. It's not hugely impactful for us right now because we don't have an open location, but when we do events, we try to keep straw use down. But that's an indicator that of another thing that is indirect by being an owner of Chicago Market. You're supporting a business that's going to carry a lot of um, bulk food. It's going to reduce plastics as much as possible. That's going to be thinking about water and energy use in the store, food waste. Um, it's a pretty sustainably minded kind of store, and that's another benefit of the of being an owner also. And what other goods will the store carry besides produce and fresh fruits and Right. So meats? the... We think of ourselves as a full service grocery store. And so when you think of supporting local, you do think of those things first and we'll definitely carry a lot of that. Um, but we'll carry beer and wine and liquor and spirits. Some of those are great local producers. Um, well, you should be able to come in and shop for the things that you get in a grocery store. So there'll be toilet paper, there'll be olive oil and coffee and bananas and all that sort of stuff. Um, as much of it as possible from local and regional sources, but you know, toilet paper comes from wherever it comes from. Um, let's buy coffee if we can though, from uh, sustainable growers, uh, sustainable roasters, Chicago area roasters, for example. And if we're buying bananas, Let's have those be um, 
fair trade or organic and things when possible. Another thing we really want to do is regardless of where things come from is connect people back to their food and have them know where things are coming from, how they're raised and how things are grown. So lots, we want to have a lot of transparency around that sort of information, whether it's from a farm that's right here or whether it's a banana grower in Florida, let's talk about how that, you know, product or that uh, food product is raised and grown so that you, the consumer can make up your mind about which to choose. And I know you mentioned uh, classes, future classes at the space. Is is some of these classes based on that educational aspect you were just speaking on, or do you feel like classes will take another direction? So uh, we, we feel like we have a strong commitment to workshops and education and classes and teaching. And some of that comes to things like uh, knowing how to cook with these things, <laughs> right? If you're going to uh, carry a lot of fresh local produce and uh, some of it won't be familiar to everyone in the neighborhood. So let's have cooking classes to teach them, bring them along on that process, uh, teach people to can and preserve and, you know, attack the seasonal produce when it's ripest and save it for laterness, perhaps that kind of stuff. Um, we might have workshops and classes that help um, folks in the neighborhood who see some of those prices in the store as pretty challenging, help guide them through the store to affordable items as well. So, cause we know where we're landing. It's right there in the middle of uptown, which is, you know, uh, a diverse economic community and we want to fit in there. So we want to be able to help folks, you know, use the foods that are there and find things that are affordable for them. So there'll be a whole variety of workshops and classes, I think, um, both in the store as much as we can do. Um, it's, uh, we'll be trying to carve out some space for some flex space or some uh, workshop kind of locations and then partner with folks in the community too as needed. We have a great relationship already with Truman College and they've got a lot of room across and they're just right across the street. So um, there may be times when we do things nearby. And you touched on a little bit relationships with farmers and farmers markets. Can you talk more about that relationship and, and certainly farmers markets populate the city during the summer months but you know will that be a competition will you know how will that affect csas and and that sort of thing right good question we definitely um the farmers markets are we don't view them as competition um they're bringing a lot of great food into the city and we just want to bring more of it in right alongside them um as a matter of fact, the Andersonville Chamber, or the Andersonville Farmers Market is a Chicago market owner. They are supportive of us already. Um, we imagine that we could perhaps have farmer CSA drops happening at the store. Um, and we kind of look at the farmers markets as a, a great way to connect and find those farmers. And the truth is uh, we want to have part of what started Chicago market was this drive to have access to those foods, but every day of the week. Um, we love the farmers markets, but you know, they're not there all the time. And there is also this thing that there are fewer farmers markets in the winter. We're convinced and our conversation with farmers seem to indicate that there's more food available in the winter, local food than sort of the farmers market shopper thinks. And so if we can get that food in a grocery store and it's there next to the toilet paper and the bananas and things, um, we can, we'd like to think we can move more of that. So we hope to cause more winter and off season growing, uh, to happen. I wouldn't recommend putting toilet paper next to bananas when you go to open oh, okay. the store. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you you want to be on our team that works on that? Yes, okay. I do. <laughs> Bad example. Mm -hmm. So, Grant, we know that um, you're kind of focusing efforts on different neighborhoods as we lead up to opening and that um, this month, January's focus is Andersonville. And you have a goal of reaching 2,000 owners by this spring. 
Why is that particular number important and how do you go about recruiting new new owners? I know you have uh, an owner recruitment event coming up this week at True North, correct? Yes, we do. Um, And that's part of how we get there. Um, Literally owner recruiting, as I mentioned earlier, is what funds the store. It's part of how a co-op starts their business. Um, We have over 1,500 owners now, which is a massive number. And when you look at the growth of co-ops around the country, uh, our growth has been terrific and it's it's a big supportive number. Um, our, we literally have a funding plan though, a, you know, a sort of a pro forma that looks at, here's how you're gonna get to the store open and you need this much cash at this point and this much cash at this point. And um, one of the things that happens is we're gonna chase a bank loan and we've got conversations with bank lenders going already. They're supportive. Uh, they're sort of hanging in the wings for us when it's time to do underwriting. But what they need is, equity on our side. They need cash from us to loan against. And literally that comes from us in the community. So that comes in part from those ownership shares. So we need to get to 2000 as a means of being enough cash in this pool that that the bank will work with us. And how many owners do you have so far? We are just over 1500 at the moment and moving fast. Um, I would say too, um, we encourage businesses to become owners. So we have a business ownership, um, uh, level. It's it's the same structure as the other owners, and the difference is that we work closely with the the business owners to partner and cross promote and support each other. And actually, we, it's fun. We have a um, thinking about this. We have a bunch of um, Andersonville businesses that are already owners. Um, Big Jones is an owner. Uh, Candiality is an owner. The folks at Sofo Tap and Meeting House Tavern, which also is hosting an event for us later this month, are owners. And as I had said before, the Andersonville Chamber, so or the Andersonville Farmers Market. Sorry. And what is your event at the end of the month at Meeting House? So we have two more events this month. One is this thing on the 26th at uh, True North Cafe, which is what we call an information session, an ownership information session. And that's a casual uh, event. that We do a couple of those every month, and we invite people out, and we talk about what ownership means and encourage people to become owners. So if you have questions, that's the place to come do it. Meet with us in person. helps people to see us and know who's buying this and talk to us. And then the event on the 31st at Meeting House Tavern is a little more casual. It's, we call it a mixer, and it's a social mixer and a chance for both owners and non-owners to get together, meet each other, talk to each other. Um, we don't have anybody confirmed yet, but we often have a guest speaker or a sort of a business owner who kind of talks a little bit about why the business uh, relationship matters to them, that sort of thing. So it's about that's about gathering and bringing people together more often than um, otherwise. And Grant, as I stated in the intro, Chicago Market is set to open in the Gerber building in Uptown. Can you tell us a little bit more about that building and what the process was like of obtaining the lease? Sure. Um, First of all, it's gorgeous. If you haven't been by, go look at it. We're super excited about the location. It's just beautiful. Um, It's the former CTA train station at the corner of Wilson and Broadway. Um, It's called the Gerber building, and that's because a fellow named Arthur Gerber was the architect who designed it and it was constructed in about 1923. It's a beautiful terracotta bow art style building. Um, and what the CTA did with it recently was a complete gut rehab of it and they moved their train station across the street. So they left that empty, um, literally empty. It's just a shell, um, no plumbing, no, you know, very little electric. There's just not much in there. Um, so it's an empty space, uh, blank slate for us to start with. Um, it's a beautiful space. We're really excited to be there. We're thrilled that it's, you know, transit friendly, but it does have a parking lot. It's bus and bike uh, friendly as well. Um, and 
we've definitely feel like, especially with the parking there, this is going to be a destination grocery store for this side of town. Um, the kinds of foods and the products and the community space and the sense of community in the building will be a thing that brings people from all over this north side and not just not just uh, uptown. So we're excited to be there. And if all goes well, when do you plan to open there? So we've just announced that we will be opening uh, in April of 2020, actually. Well, our site uh, design team is working hard on the plans to get us there, the sort of the construction and design plans, and those are well underway. Um, and those are in sort of this dance with our owner growth uh, strategy and our um, another component, which is our owner loan campaign, which will be kicking off again. We had a pre-campaign in the fall and we'll do another in this later in the spring. That's really exciting. Keep an eye out for all the updates and um, everything as it comes together. So Grant, we always like to end the podcast with this question. Um, if you were given the chance to switch places or to work for an Andersonville business for a day, who would you choose? <laughs> I think because of my, well, of course, there are a lot of food businesses to choose from. So obviously my food background and uh, a little bit of knowledge about what goes on over at Big Jones makes me think of going there. Uh, I know better than to think I'm a kitchen person, a commercial kitchen person anyway, I, you know, um, but I love to cook at home and I think, you know, the more I could learn from Paul would be great. Um, but it's cool. Andersonville has, and one thing I like about what he does is that he's got a super strong ethos around local food sourcing. So he's buying from local farmers and Andersonville has a ton of that. I mean, um, Loss Larson is buying grains from downstate from, uh, Janie's mill, which is awesome. I mean, I could probably go there and learn to bake bread. <laughs> um, and the, the, uh, Farmer's Market by being here, Vincent sources from a lot of local farms. So um, it's cool that, and Hopleaf does too. So it's really cool that Andersonville has these businesses that are buying from these local farms and we're just gonna do the same thing and sell it to you, the shopper. Well, we can't wait. Thank you, Grant, for being here. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Chicago Market, please visit chicagomarket.coop. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.